The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. And hello again, wrestling fans. Uh, this is our second attempt at this, having a little bit of computer problems, but you're not going to notice it, uh, thankfully. But we are taking a second uh, stab at this recording today. Um, this is This Week in History. We are looking at the week of February 18th to the 24th. Well, thank you for joining us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, anywhere else you get your podcasts from. Of course, we are part of the Genres Podcast Network, as you just heard, and the Ontario Independent Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us visually on YouTube and Facebook. And we want to encourage you to join us any way possible. Our feeds are always open on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram. Go to our uh, website, scumbagswrestling.ca. Email scumbagswrestling at gmail.com. Or, of course, easiest and quickest way is through our Facebook. Uh, you can message or uh, send us a note on our actual page. We're usually quick to answer. So without further ado, we have headlines. We have Monday Night Wars, birthdays, deaths. Uh, title changes, spotlight on Shinsuke Nakamura and Gail Kim, plus much more. Now, we can't do all this until we head over to Niagara Falls and see Jonesy. Hello again, Jonesy. Good evening. Yeah, it's only been a few minutes since we last talked. We bantered about uh, the weather and how it's dropping in temperature and ice skating and, yeah, the craziness of what's going on in our lives. And then I made a lame joke about we're not talking about ice skating, we're talking about wrestling, and the Lamo there was the lead-in. Yeah, and we totally had uh, a lot of uh, technical issues. I was getting kicked to the curb. I saw little swirly things, and yeah, thankfully we can uh, take two or 200. Thankfully we don't need to do 200, but we'll take two and try again. Starting off with our headlines... All right, and as always, we're sponsored by Cool Bet. Stay cool and bet responsibly. Starting with February 18th, 2008, WWE announced Ric Flair would be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. He would be the first active wrestler to be inducted. Of course, he'd retire <clears throat> after he lost to Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 24. Yeah, that retirement didn't really acknowledge because it's Ric Flair. And he found a way around it where he wouldn't wrestle for WWE ever again. When we noticed uh, just after he left the uh, WWE uh, after his induction ceremony that he uh, went over to TNA and crossed the line and did some uh, wrestling over there for a bit and kind of embarrassed himself a little bit more. That gives me an idea. I think I'm going to start my own promotion called Last Kick at the Can Wrestling. All right, we're going to move on to February 20th, 1995. On Monday Night Raw, Sid Justice, Sicko Sid, make his return to the WWF as the bodyguard for Shawn Michaels. Oh, he's a fan, <laughs> Sid. So on the 20th, 1999, on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, Bill Goldberg challenges Stone Cold Steve Austin to a match and would put up 100000 of his own money to wrestle or fight Austin anywhere in the world, even if it's in the NBC back alley. Austin's reply to the cha uh, challenge days later, well, when Goldberg makes it to the big leagues, 
This would never happen as Austin would retire only months later before Goldberg would sign with the WWE. Yeah, it uh, could be interesting, uh, and I don't want it to happen, trust me, not giving anybody ideas, but with the rumor that Austin, after 19 years, is coming out of retirement to do WrestleMania and face uh, Kevin Owens, he did mention that he'd like to finally, maybe if that does produce more uh, ventures into the ring for Austin, do a never-before-done yeah, Brock Lesnar match because he's the reason why Brock and Austin walked the one time. But if they, you throw in a third one, maybe Goldberg. Sure, why not? And all of that should happen over in Saudi Arabia. Hey, you know, the Saudis want to pay uh, millions just to have Austin in their ring. And uh, I think Goldberg just did his last one uh, contractually. So you never know for a one-off against Austin. Could happen in Saudi Arabia. And I know we're not talking about this year's WrestleMania, but uh, I've seen the potential card, and I must say this year could be a big year. The, the match, those, the maybe matches so far, I, I want to see those matches. Well, they got to sell out 200,000 tickets for two nights. Oh, yes, that is true. Carrying on. Well, something that they should have expensive night and then the cheapy night. February 20th, 2010, Scott Colton, uh, uh, best known to wrestling fans as Colt Cabana, was released from the WWE. February 20th, 2013, Jake Hagar, a.k.a. Jack Swagger, was arrested and charged in Biloxi, Mississippi for speeding, DUI, and marijuana possession. After his WrestleMania match versus Del Rio, he would slide down the card. February 21st, 2005, on Raw, Chris Mordeski makes his WWF, sorry, WWE television debut as the masterpiece Chris Masters. The show is best remembered for the Royal Rumble winner Batista officially making his decision on the title match of choice for WrestleMania 21. Batista gave the thumbs down to a SmackDown contract, choosing to stay on Raw and challenge for the World Heavyweight Championship against Triple H. Also on the 21st, I was just trying to think. Uh, I thought we saw Chris Masters. Oh, we did see Chris Masters at a Park Hill uh, uh, fair a few years ago. But I thought we saw Chris Masters somewhat debut, may have been a dark match, at uh, the SummerSlam uh, 2004 um, Monday Night Raw after here in London. And that was when we first saw the thumbs up, thumbs down. So... Mm. Maybe they kept him off TV that long to go from August until making it to Raw on in February. It is possible. You remember that stuff? I don't. February 21st, 2011 on Raw, both The Undertaker and Triple H made their returns to WWE programming and made a match with one another for WrestleMania 27 without saying a word. They just pointed at the sign and that was magic. They didn't even have to point. They just looked at the sign. They left the pointing to everybody else during the rest oh, of the year. Oh, there you go. Just, but it was kind of amazing. They both came out separately, obviously, and uh, didn't say a single word. And you knew what was going to happen. And this was their second WrestleMania. Uh, they did a uh, match against each other 10 years earlier at 17. And then they would do 
the end of an era inside Hell in a Cell with Shawn Michaels as referee the following year for WrestleMania 28. Yeah, I was getting a little tired of Undertaker taking out Triple H, but hey. They got three of them out of uh, that, just like I think uh, even Kane got three. February 22nd, 1993, on Monday Night Raw, Hulk Hogan returns for the first time since his DQ victory over Sid Justice at WrestleMania 8. Hogan forms an alliance with longtime BFF Brutus the Barber Beefcake, calling themselves the Manga Maniacs, with Jimmy Hart as their manager. February 23rd, 1998, Chris Jericho defeated Juventud Guerrera in a title versus mask match via submission to retain the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. With the loss, Guerrera was forced to unmask. February 22nd, 2010, WWE announces former women's champion Wendy Richter would be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. February 23rd, 2002, Ring of Honor was born. The first show from the Murphy Recreation Center in Philly has been retroactively named The Era of Honor Begins. Also on the 23rd, 2010, WWE presented the debut episode of NXT from the Bradley Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The show featured eight rookies paired with eight WWE superstars competing in a three-month-long competition for a WWE contract and a world championship match on pay-per-view. I think it was an interesting concept uh, to do, but considering also some of these rookies that were uh, there, when you have the American Dragon, uh, Brian Danielson, as a rookie with the Miz as his pro, that was just a head scratcher in itself. But, you know, interesting concept, as I said. I, I'm not sure about the whole uh, sort of play date, uh, little competition. Yeah, and you know what? I didn't watch it because of that. It just yeah. didn't, like, after they done Tough Enough, which was a more realistic to me, a, a much better way to present an idea of, of new wrestlers or wrestlers that are out there, but they're indie or whatever. I thought Tough Enough was much better than the NXT. Oh, for sure. And then I do like the fact that it evolved into uh, what it is oh, today, an actual third brand. Because that's what ECW was. They could have just done that from the start. Could have, should have, didn't. Nope. February 24th, 2011, WWE announces in a press release they have signed Luis Inganacio uh, Irvin Elverde, a.k.a. CMLL's top technical mystico. Irvine would be uh, rechristened Sin Cara. Thank God. Now I can say his name. Of course, the deal quite didn't work out for Mystico as his inconsistency in the ring, injuries, and violating the WWE wellness policy. But hey, he was a great contributor to Botchamania. Yeah. February 24, 2014, WWE Network launched in the U.S. and to the cheers of millions. Well, it took a while to get a million, but they now got millions. Yeah, they got a couple billion probably from uh, Peacock or NBC just to uh, have that. And then 
overseas uh one of the countries has it on disney plus mm -hmm. and yeah so that's growing all over the world even here in canada you can get a special subscription with all the WD shows plus the WD network through Sportsnet. Yeah, and they're, they're decent deals for what you get. Um, it, I think it's really important for WWE to get the product out because they want to be number one, and they are number one. And the way to stay number one is to make sure you're on as many, uh, well, not television sets anymore, but you know what I mean, platforms. as many platforms as you can be on. Yep. Alrighty, we're going to go to deaths. February 18th, 1989, famed women's wrestler Mildred Bliss, best known as Mildred Burke, died of a stroke in Northbridge, California. She was 73. Also on the 18th, 1994, Carrie Atkinson, uh, best known to wrestling fans as Carrie Von Erich, shot himself to death in Denton, Texas. He was 33. He was born February 3rd, 1960, um, over in Niagara Falls, New York. Kerry made his professional uh, debut for his father, uh, Fritz's Big Time Wrestling, a.k.a. NWA Texas. The modern-day warrior went to world-class championship wrestling. February 18th, yeah. 1990. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a shame what happened with that family. We've uh, talked about it a few times over and just... Yeah, uh, very tragic, and it's almost an example of mental illness before it became a big uh, known thing to be concerned about, unfortunately. Yeah, the, um, illness uh, has always been there, but uh, nowadays we're a little more aware of what it is, and some illnesses are not as bad as people thought they once were as far as we don't have to lock everyone up that has a mental issue. And a side note on that, if you do have any mental issues whatsoever, please call whoever you need to, whether it's a 1-800, uh, not 1-800, but you know what I mean, <laughs> the help uh, line, anything like that. Talk to your best friend because um, uh, you can get better. Yeah, reach out right. to people. Unless you're, of course, dead as Kerry was, unfortunately. February 18th, 1995, Eddie Gilbert died of a heart attack in his apartment in El Salvador, uh, Puerto Rico. He was just 33. Also on the 18th, 2014, Nelson Fraser Jr., best known to wrestling fans as Mabel or Viscera, and then later Big Daddy V, uh, died of a heart attack. He was just 43. Fraser was uh, cremated with his ashes sent in pendants for his loved ones. 500 were sent in all. Quite nice, actually. February 18th, 2017, George the Animal Steel passes away five years. Um, oh, I'm, yep. uh, this is what happens when you don't pre-read certain things. Oh, well. Anyways, okay. so he died on uh, February 18th, 2017. Uh, February 19th, 1968, pro wrestler and strongman George Carl Julius Hackenschmidt dies in a hospital in London, England. He was a ripe at 90. And ending off the desk for now, 
February 23rd, 1999, Richard Wilson, best known to wrestling fans as the Renegade, died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound in his hometown in Atlanta, Georgia. He was 33. And that is really sad. Oh, oh, actually, this is... This is actually all the deaths for this week, and we only have one next week, so... Oh, wow. We can do better. What are we going to do with all that time? All right, we're going to move on now mm-hmm. to the big Talk event. about birthdays. Yes. Uh, big events. February 18th, 1985, WWF presented the war to settle the score from Madison Square Garden in New York City. This event would be most watched show on MTV at the time. It would serve as a prelude to WrestleMania. MTV only aired the main event, Hulk Hogan versus Rowdy Piper for the WWF Championship. Also on February 18th, but in 2001, WCW presented Super Brawl Revenge. This would be the second to last pay-per-view for WCW and not be commercially available till years later on the WWE Network. Scott Steiner defeated Kevin Nash 2-1 in the best of three falls count anywhere match to retain the WCW world belt. And as a result of the loss, Nash had to retire, uh, making this technically Kevin Nash's final WCW appearance. Yeah, well, it was a train wreck. Oh, and he think in that year was a train wreck and the year before. February 19th, 2007, WWE presented No Way Out. And February 18th, 1996, WWF presented In Your House 6, Rage in the Cage. Razor Ramon defeated the 1-2-3 Kid in a cry-a-baby match. With the loss, the 1-2-3 Kid was forced to don a baby's outfit. Oh, awful, awful. But he even got powdered. That was kind of near the end of, say, the PG clowny era before they got attitude, so... Hunter Hearst Helmsley defeated Duke the Dumpster Drossy, and I'm not sure, is this the one that was in the um, pen? No, that would have been against Henry Godwin. Oh, yes, sorry, Godwin. So this match probably sucked, because it wasn't Godwin. And Bret Hart uh, defeated Diesel in a steel cage match to retain the WWF Championship, with the help of Undertaker, who dragged Diesel into hell as he popped from under the ring. Yeah, I think there were some issues uh, during that match of uh, somebody not wanting to lose cleanly, or uh, I think even Brett might have had an issue with the whole thing, but it did set up uh, WrestleMania 12 uh, well to have uh, Diesel against uh, Undertaker happen because of that. Yeah, and it's a, it's a semi-decent match, and um, I'm not sure that if this was the first time, at least on TV, that... Um, Anyone in the WWF came through a WWF ring. That's the first time I recall that happening. All right. February 18th, 2011, WWE aired the 600th episode of SmackDown. On the 19th, 95, WCW presented Super Brawl 5. Also on the 19th, 2006, WWE presented No Way Out. On the 20th, 1989, NWA presented Chi-Town Rumble from Chicago. In February 20th, 94, WCW presented Super Brawl 4. This event was never released on video. It was finally available in 2014 on the WWE Network. 
Yeah, with uh, going back to Chi-Town Rumble, I believe that's one of the uh, three uh, matches with uh, Steamboat and Flair uh, in the title going on. So uh, if you ever uh, have a afternoon to uh, go back, find those three matches, and uh, I believe that's one of them, like I said. And they go an hour Broadway and title changes uh, back and forth. No spoilers there, but... Yeah, definitely check it out. All right. February 20th, 2000, WCW presented Super Brawl 2000. The show had an under uh, unadvertised appearance by music legend James Brown at a price tag of $25,000. Not bad for James Brown. Hit me one time in the name of James. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, February 20th, 2005, WWE presented No Way Out, plus a Sunday night heat taping. Yeah, and that one had uh, the barbed wire cage match uh, with uh, Big Show and JBL. No, I've never seen that. They didn't miss much. They didn't use the barbed wire too much. Of course not. February 20th, 2012, WWE presented The Elimination Chamber. Uh, on the 21st, 94, WCW presented Super Brawl 3, and this was the first WCW pay-per-view of the Eric Bischoff era. Yeah, and also, I think that was uh, the whole White Castle of Fear with uh, Sting and Vader. <laughs> uh, the good old WCW days. Those are February. great vignettes to go back and watch. Oh, yeah. My favorite vignette, I think, is where the kids um, uh, tell Sting and uh, British Bulldog there's a bomb on the boat. Anyways, February 21st, 1999, WCW presented Super Brawl 9. And also on the 21st, 2010, WWE presented Elimination Chamber. Uh, the Undertaker suffered first and second degree burns when Miss Time Prior Pyrotechnics went off. Uh, in his coat during his entrance. Um, it's uh, quite something to watch, and boy, does Undertaker move pretty quick. Yeah, because the coat actually started melting to his body, and uh, there, I believe there is a vignette about the whole thing uh, available from WD, and they show how, while he's in his pod, he's actually dousing himself with bottles of water just to try and stop the pain from going on, and then he still did the match. Yeah, that's one of those things where, in a way, too bad uh, communication wasn't better, because I personally would have sent Undertaker to the back and then had him come down later, because then you could have had a whole thing, oh, my God, is he actually going to come back? But anyways. But he was the dead man, so you can't really do that. Yeah, but, but even dead men, they get burned. Anyways, uh, February 22nd, 98, WCW presented Super Brawl 8. WCW would crown a new champ as two controversial bouts between Sting and Hollywood Hogan held the title up. February 22nd, 2015, WWE presented Fastlane from the FedEx Forum in Memphis, Tennessee. And we're going to take a little deep look into the February 23rd, 1990. WWF presented the main event. 
The show featured the WrestleMania 5 rematch for the WWF Championship featuring champion Hulk Hogan and challenger Randy Savage with World Heavyweight Boxing Champion Mike Tyson as the special referee. Oops. Yep. Oops. A funny thing happened on the way to Detroit, though. Tyson lost the heavyweight title in Tokyo, Japan a month prior. Tyson pulled out of his scheduled appearance, and the WWF got new world champion Buster Douglas instead to take his place. And it turned out to be cost-effective as well, as bringing in Tyson would have cost the company a million dollars. WWF reportedly uh, paid just $110,000 to bring in Douglas compared to Tyson's million. Of note, this was the final live edition of the main event, as the following two editions were taped. Hulk Hogan defeated Randy Savage to retain the WWF Championship. Buster Douglas was the special referee. And the Ultimate Warrior defeated Dino Bravo to retain the WWF IC belt. Yeah, uh, it was a rematch from uh, WrestleMania for uh, Hogan and uh, Savage. And yeah, just a uh, decent show uh, for uh, that going on. But uh, really a uh, big surprise with uh, Tyson losing the match and the title to Buster Douglas, a virtual unknown, especially to uh, mainstream uh, non-boxing watchers. You might, if you're heavy into boxing, you might have known who Buster Douglas was. But a casual fan who knew uh, the different big names like Sugar Ray Leonard and Muhammad Ali and uh, obviously Tyson – and George Foreman, you weren't necessarily having Buster Douglas roll off your uh, list of top boxers. And for him to get that upset and then make his way to uh, being the ref, huge uh, move for WD. No, people would be talking about it because, uh, hey, maybe they didn't know him, but that's the guy that beat Tyson. Exactly. February 23rd, 1997, WCW presented Super Brawl 7 uh, from the Cal Palace, uh, Palace in San Francisco, California. Also on the 23rd, 2003, WWE presented No Way Out from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Also on the 23rd, 2014, WWE presented Elimination Chamber. On February 24th, 93, WCW presented Wrestle War 91 which something doesn't add up there, so let's just ignore that one. February 24th, <laughs> February 24th, 2003, on Raw from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Booker T last eliminated The Rock to win a 20-man battle royal and a World Heavyweight Championship match at WrestleMania 19. Yeah, and people still talk about uh, that outcome and how they thought that... Uh, Booker should have won. But we'll talk about that as we get closer to WrestleMania season. All right. So the title changes. We've got a bunch of them for you. February 18th, 1996, Johnny B. Bad defeated Lex Luger to win the WCW World Television Championship just one night after Bad lost the title to Luger. Also on the 18th, 2007, Chavo Guerrero uh, defeated Gregory Helms, uh, Devary Franaki, Jimmy Noble, Jimmy Wang Yang, Scotty Tuhani, and Shannon Moore in a Cruiserweight Open to win the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. 
Also on the 18th, 2011, Edge defeated Dolph Ziggler to win the World Heavyweight Championship. The title was vacated when Edge used the band spear for uh, the previous week in a match. Returning general manager Teddy Long restored the move and ordered Ziggler to defend the title just minutes after he had been awarded the belt. February 19, 2002, at a SmackDown taping, Billy and Chuck defeated Taz and Spike Dudley to win the WWF Tag Team belts. They were just friends. They were just friends. February 20th, 1978, in New York City, Bob Backlund defeated superstar Billy Graham to win the WWF Championship and end Graham's run at 296 days. This would be the start of Backlund's long reign as WWWF champ. February 20th, 1989, Mike Rotunda uh, defeated Rick Steiner to win the NWA World TV belt. On that same event, Lex Luger defeated Barry Windham to win the NWA United States Championship. And also, Ricky Steamboat defeated Ric Flair to win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. One heck of an event to uh, watch there with all those changes. February 20th, 2000, Brian Nobbs defeated Bam Bam Bigelow to win the WCW Hardcore Championship. Also on the 20th, 2005, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio defeated the Basham Brothers to win the WWE Tag Team Championship. Viva la raza. Viva la raza. On the same day, except in Tokyo, Satoshi Kojima uh, defeated Hiroshi Tenzan by knockout to unify the All Japan Triple Crown and IWGP Heavyweight Championships. Sticking with the February 20th, 2006 on Raw, Shelton Benjamin defeated Ric Flair to win the WWE Intercontinental Championship. A really good Intercontinental ch uh, Champion in uh, his rights, but unfortunately got overshadowed by a lot of things. It's surprising. And now he's almost a jobber to the stars with uh, the Hurt Business tag team that shouldn't have uh, been destroyed like it was. And sticking with February 20th, but 2012, the core Heath Slater and Justin Gabriel defeated Santino Morella and Vladimir Kozlov to win the WWE Tag Team belts. February 21st, 1994, Barry Windham defeated the Great Muda to win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. And... 1999, Barry Windham again uh, would win with Kurt Henning after they defeated Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko to win the vacated WCW World Tag Team Championship in a tournament final. The good old West Texas Rednecks. Meanwhile, yes. Hen Henning's from uh, Minnesota. And yeah. But they did produce a lovely uh, song and video of Rap is Crap. Rap is Crap. Indeed. Sticking with February 21st, 2010, John Zena defeated Sheamus, Triple H, Randy Orton, Ted DiBiase, and Kofi Kingston in an Elimination Chamber match to win the WWE Championship. In post-match, Mr. McMahon orders another championship match, pinning Zena against Batista. And then Batista defeated John Zena in just 31 seconds to win the WWE Championship. 
So whether it was uh, the money in the bank briefcase where Vince took it from uh, Edge and sent him on his way to Cena, or Batista taking uh, him out in 30 seconds thanks to Vince, Cena was always screwed. Yep, he got screwed. Uh, also on that same event, uh, Jericho defeated The Undertaker, Rey Mysterio, John Morrison, R-Truth, CM Punk in an Elimination Chamber match to win the World Heavyweight Championship. In 2011, The Miz and John Zena played hot potato with the WWE tag belts. The core Heath Slater and Justin Gabriel would win the rematch the same night. Or sorry, that same night. Anyways. February 22nd, 1984, in Tokyo, Japan, Jumbo Tasutra defeated Nick Bockwinkle to win the AWA World Heavyweight Championship, and Terry Funk was the special referee. February 22nd, 1988, the Midnight Rockers, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty defeated the Rock and Roll Express, Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton, to win the vacated AWA World Tag Team Championship and prove that they were better than the Rock and Roll Express. At least uh, Vern was able to give the Rockers a uh, title. Uh, still amazes me that to this day, the Rockers never got a title, even though they were tag team specialists and never uh, got to prove it. They got titles in WWE without their own partners. They got different ones, including Shawn Michaels. I mean, Shawn Michaels with uh, almost everybody uh, from Diesel, John Cena, uh, Steve Austin for sure. And then you got Janetti with uh, 123 Kid uh, taking the titles that way. Crazy. Yeah, kind of weird that they uh, never uh, got the belts in WWF. I know they tried to give them the belts, but it didn't work. Heart Foundation politics. Yep. Alrighty. Uh, February 22nd, 1998, Booker T defeated Rick Martel to win the WCW World Television belt. 1998, uh, the Outsiders, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, defeated the Steiner Brothers to win the WCW World Tag Team Championship. Late in the match, Scott turned on his brother Rick, opening the door for Hall to hit the Outsiders' edge and win the titles. Also in that same event, uh, Sting defeated Hollywood Hogan to win the vacated WCW World Heavyweight belt. February 22nd, 2000, at a SmackDown taping in Nashville, Tennessee, Crash Holly defeated Tess to win the WWF Hardcore belts. Following the match, Crash declared that he would defend the 24-hour uh, defend the title 24 hours a day, seven days a week, as long as there's a referee present and chaos wouldn't sue for years. They actually did it better then than they do right now. Like, Absolutely. Uh, they, the 24-7 title is supposed to be that way, and you get uh, stupid little backstage segments, but then they keep on running through uh, the shows and through the crowd and disrupting matches. At least when uh, they did it with Crash Holly, they had some hotel rooms. They had yeah, amusement parks and stuff like that. It just was... I don't know, better uh, than what they're doing right now. And that's also, I think, one of those belts that why not have it in, like, it could go over to, um, uh, oh, man, my brain just went frozen. Anyways, 
they could actually go into another uh, uh, federation and lose the title there. Why you can't swap around and do a little more with it, but... The Forbidden Door. Well, we have uh, seen the Forbidden, forbidden Door. <sighs> they have shown up on uh, things like Fox NFL uh, previews, and uh, some Fox commentators have uh, ended up winning the title briefly. Uh, they've ruined that belt, in my opinion. Anyways, February 22nd, 2010, Maurice defeated Gail Kim in a tournament final to win the vacated WWE Divas Championship. February 23rd, 1996, Six defeated Dean Malenko to win the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Also on the 23rd, 2003, Matt Hardy defeated Billy Kidman to win the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. And on Raw 2004 from Oklahoma, Nebraska, Victoria defeated Molly Holly, Jazz, and Lita in a fatal four-way elimination match to win the WWE Women's title. February 24th, 1993, Fabulous Freebirds, Garvin and Michael Hayes, defeated Doom, Butchery, and Ron Simmons to win the WCW World Tag Team Belts. And finally, February 24th, 1995, in Erlanger, Kentucky, Dan Severin defeated Chris Candido to win the NWA World Heavyweight Belt. And at one point, he had multiple titles, including UFC belts and that uh, 10 pounds of gold. Uh, I didn't think much of Dan Severin as a wrestler, but I can't. It's like watching paint dry. Yes, yes, it is. February 18th, it's a happy 65th birthday to Will Fortune's Banna White. Of course, she ran the backstage brace, uh, uh, bracket uh, board at WrestleMania 4 and was the guest timekeeper. Yeah, with good old uh, Bob Euchre chasing her down the whole time. Yep, and uh, I think he finally did run into her at the end of the show, if I remember. But. Yeah, in time for them to do the ring announcing for the main event. February 19th, got a bunch of them. Big John Studd would have turned 74. Francine turns 50. El Torito turns 40, but in small people years, that's 90 years old. Sean Spears, Ty Dillinger, uh, born in 1981, which would make his birthday. 41. 41, there you go, perfect. And Jack Gallagher, his birthday as well, which would he would be 32. February 20th, today would have been the 101st birthday of Herman Gustav Rode Jr., a.k.a. Buddy Rogers. And did you know that before becoming a legend in the ring, he worked in the circus and the shipyard and became a police officer as well. He was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 1994. Yeah, um, I'm just looking at some of the uh, list here, and yeah, end up uh, not getting all of the uh, uh, spotlight. So the next birthday, we'll switch over to a little bit of a spotlight on Gail. I have right. some of the notes here. Sure. So uh, also uh, February 20th would have been or would be the uh, 45th birthday of Gail Kim. She's from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, debuted in 2000, retired in 2019, 
trained by Ron Hutchinson and she worked obviously for uh, him in the Apocalypse Wrestling Federation as La Felina. And she was uh, also trained by Dave Finley. She married Chef Robert Irvine. Uh, he's the chef that is known uh, for uh, Restaurant Impossible or Kitchen Impossible. He, uh, the, he had a WWE show during a uh, WrestleMania, uh, and she was one of the people who were cooking. And the rest is history with uh, that couple, and they've been together ever since. Uh, they've attended uh, Hall of Fames together uh, from both TNA and also WWE. And, uh, yeah, so who would have figured that would have happened, but it did. Lucky uh, bastard. Yep. As I said, she uh, worked for Apocalypse Wrestling, and she was the Diva of the Year in 2001. She's also worked for uh, TNA and WWE. She won the uh, WWE Women's Championship on her first night. Uh, she's a one-time uh, WWE champion. Unfortunately, on her next run through the WWE, th things didn't go as well, where she ended up eliminating herself from a battle royal and walked out on the company. But she definitely had a lot of success over with uh, TNA, being the inaugural TNA Knockouts uh, champion. Seven times in total she held that title. One-time Knockouts Tag Team uh, Champion with Madison Rain. She uh, was inducted into the Impact Wrestling and TNA Wrestling Hall of Fame in 2016. She won Queen of the Knockouts in 2013 and was num named number one in the PWA, PWI uh, Top 50 Women in 2012. Uh, since that list uh, was made... They've actually uh, expanded, I think, to at least 100 uh, women wrestlers. Uh, so they'll eventually start catching up. I don't think there's enough to uh, do equal billing for the uh, women as there is men because the men always get the PWI 500. But she was ranked number one in 2012. So overall, great talent, hugely successful. And she's, I think, working behind the scenes with uh, Impact Wrestling right now still, and was part of uh, doing their women's only show uh, recently. So happy birthday to Gail Kim, 45 on February 20th. All right. Other birthdays, we got uh, Killian Dane, who is 37. Uh, on February 21st, Tyrus turns 49. Carlito turns 43, and Tommy Mercer, or Crimson, turns 37. And also on the 21st, it would have been the 61st birthday of famed women's wrestler Rhonda Singh, or as a lot of people know her here as Bertha Faye. And February 24th, two birthdays, Shinsuke Nakamura turns 42, and Corey Graves turns 38. Yeah, and Shinsuke Nakamura is the subject of our other superstar spotlight. Uh, as you just mentioned, February 24th, 1980, was his birthday. Turns 42 from Kyoto, Japan. Uh, he was trained at the Inoki Dojo uh, and trained by a couple of gentlemen that I'm not going to attempt to butcher their names. If you're watching the screen, you'll be able to see their names here on the left-hand side. He debuted August 29th. 
in uh, 2002. He's worked for New Japan TNA. Yes, you can look back and find some rare footage of Shinsuke Nakamura working in TNA wrestling. NXT, he was a former champion there. And, of course, for the last while, he's been on the main roster in WWE. He competed in uh, MMA with a 3-1 record. Uh, as far as titles goes, he's a three-time IWGP heavyweight champion, the youngest IWGP heavyweight champion in history at age 23, the winner of the 2011 G1 tournament, winner of the 2014 New Japan Cup, one-time and final IWGP third belt champion, longest reigning IWGP Intercontinental Champion, five-time uh, IWGP Intercontinental uh, Champion in that regards, Wrestling Observer uh, Newsletter Hall of Fame inductee in 2015, and he still has had a uh, career seven years past being inducted into the uh, Observer Hall of Fame. Of course, that's Dave Meltzer and his love for Japanese wrestling. One-time NXT champion, winner of the 2018 WD Royal Rumble, two-time WD US champion, just recently dropped the Intercontinental title, but he was two-time Intercontinental champion, WD SmackDown tag team champion with Cesaro, and finally, two-time NXT ended the year award winner in 2016 for male of the year and overall competitor of the year. Uh, hopefully uh, things can be a little bit better. We're, lately, he's been stuck with Rick Boogs and doing stupid uh, things uh, with that guy doing his guitar playing. But he was off for a little while with his hand injured. That's why we didn't see any intercontinental title uh, defenses. And he just dropped it uh, to Sami Zayn prior to them going over to Saudi Arabia a couple of weeks ago. Well, let's have to wait and see what the future holds for Shinsuke going forward. Indeed. No, that that uh, gimmick belongs to other Japanese guys. Indeed. On to the Monday Night Wars, and we're going to be doing February 24th, 1997. And, Sean, if you'd like to do Raw... Sure. Uh, so that uh, episode of uh, Monday Night Raw is also uh, basically looked at as the extreme uh, Raw. Uh, was still in the Manhattan Center, and ECW had shown up. We talked about this last week where uh, Jerry Lawler had actually uh, been shown inviting uh, Paul Heyman and to the Manhattan Center to bring his extremely crappy wrestling uh, group with him. And course behind the scenes this was a deal going on between Vince and Paul Heyman and Vince was actually funding some of ECW as a way of also keeping their talent from going over to WCW definitely part of the war going on uh, this episode had a mixture of regular WWE matches it had some returns and of course we had the invasion of ECW so the eliminators uh, the Blue World Order, Taz and his team, uh, the Dudley Boys, New Jack, Sabu, Little Guido, the Sandman, and Mikey Whitbrook all made appearances during the show. In a roundabout way, the show served as a cross-promotion between the two uh, companies and uh, 
promoted ECW's Barely Legal pay-per-view that was taking place in April. This would be the last time that the WD was filming Raw at the Manhattan Center, and they'd eventually take Raw on the road. Ken Shamrock made his television debut. He was sitting in the crowd uh, and was confronted by, well, interviewed by Jerry Lawler, and Ken Shamrock had no idea who Lawler was at all and was uh, just playing it off. And Jerry was just like, no, no, you, you and I do this, and he just had nothing. He kind of fell flat. He got confronted by Farouk, and that actually uh, came off a little bit better uh, of a segment uh, between the two. Uh, and then there was a surprise return of the Legion of Doom. As far as matches went, the new uh, Blackjacks, Bradshaw and Wyndham, defeated the Godwins. Taz defeated Mikey Whitbreak by submission. The Legion of Doom ended up beating the Headbangers. And that was one of the first times that the Headbangers were Headbangers. I think before that, they had made an appearance on Shotgun Saturday Night as the Flying Nuns. Yes, they were the Flying Nuns. Look it up. Um, Tommy Dreamer defeated Devon Dudley. And the main event had The Undertaker defeat Farouk by disqualification. So that was uh, the cross-promotion going on between those two. We flip the channel and head over to WCW for Nitro. And I believe you are muted. Blast. I muted myself. Okay, so over on WCW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play the dark matches, uh, Joe Gomez defeated Hugh Morris, and Pat Tanaka defeated the Ultimo Dragon. And then once the show hit the air, Public Enemy, Johnny Grunge, and Rock Rock defeated Jeff Jarrett and Steve McMichael. Jim Duncan defeated Galaxy. Who the fuck is Galaxy? Hugh Morris defeated Joe Gomez. Ice Train defeated La Parca. Faces of Fear, Barbarian, and Ming defeated Eddie Guerrero and Chris Jericho. Rey Mysterio Jr. defeated Juventud Guerrero. Prince Aikea defeated Pat Tanaka to retain the WCW World Television Championship. The Ultimo Dragon defeated Dean Malenko via DQ. Diamond Dallas Page versus Dave Taylor ended in a no contest. And Harlem Heat uh, uh, versus Lex Luger and the Giant ended in a no contest. Yeah, the, I think a lot of people were probably wondering who the F was uh, Galaxy as well. And then when your last two matches end up in no contest, what the heck is that? What yeah, are your thoughts on the two shows? Well, you know, uh, the Raw one to me was, of course, much better because not only did you have your regular players, but you had ECW guys. And it was kind of, this was... Kind of like an, is this going to be a whole NWO type thing? But it wasn't. And it was just, it was good to see that uh, there is other organizations organizations out there. And I think this is the one where Sabu jumped off the R. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that um, yeah. Vince does like to, uh, when it's worthwhile to him, and in this case he had a uh, vested interest, to acknowledge the other companies, he'll do so. And that's why they ended up having Mickey James show up with her Impact uh, title at uh, Raw Rumble. 
they had a vested interest in doing that and mending fences with her. But with that Raw, yeah, he was helping to fund ECW, uh, as I said at the beginning. And you pointed out that uh, Sabu jumped off the uh, letter R. It was shaky at the time. And how he made it without uh, killing himself, it is Sabu. Because he is uh, amazing and agile and he's able to balance on. And I think if, you know, definitely if he wasn't a wrestler, he would have fell flat on his face. But because he's used to doing ropes and that, hey, there are moves a little bit. That's okay. I'll just adjust myself. Yeah, and if he got cut, he would just duct tape himself back together, literally. Um, yeah, and and so, yeah. they had lots of super glue there for him as well. I'm not sure which show was actually any better, but because this was also still the era of one-hour uh, Raws going on, and so you, they did stuff a lot into there, so I don't have the timings on here, but like you said, because of the nostalgia of the fact that another company was being there and invading, sort of, that's where definitely WD would get the nod for me as well. All right, and I agree. And that is it for this weekend wrestling. And of course, the wrestling history is compiled from the vast land of Google, Wikipedia, CagesideSeats.com, Sean's brain, and most importantly, from fans and journalists that had front row seats to history. And of course, always a big, big thank you to our sponsor, CoolBet, CoolBet.com, and sports book betting in casino games. Stay cool and bet responsibly. And of course, thanks to all of our genres listeners, and have a good one. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Uh, well, we'll be talking uh, the rest of uh, February, going into uh, March third. Because of the way uh, this works out, there we're actually going to talk about eight days because some things did happen on February 29th, even though it only happens every four years. Uh, so we're going to cover eight days on the next episode, and we'll see things like um, one of the last Nitros we'll look at uh, in the, our Monday Night Wars. We'll also uh, look back at the careers of Booker T and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat in our spotlights. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. As I said at the beginning, reach out to us, share your thoughts of what your memories of history are, and we'll uh, be sure to share them on our other episodes or on our Facebook page. So thank you for joining us, and we'll catch you all next time. Have a good one.